Welcome to the Renewal Session, where mother and daughter therapists talk about reclaiming your purpose, redefining your relationships, and renewing your mind by combining therapy and faith. These two women of different ages, different perspectives, and different opinions tackle the how-to of transformation and share the behind the scenes on others who have done the same. Welcome back to the Renewal Session. So last week, Katie and I, um, at the end of our podcast, decided that she was going to be in charge today. And I think she picked something like cognitive dissidence, but actually she landed on cognitive distortions and 10 forms of cognitive distortions. So I'm going to pass things over to her because she's going to take the lead. Because if you guys didn't catch that at the end of it, she... She wanted to get away with just naming the category and me doing all the prep. But I said, no, if you're in charge, you have to do the whole thing. How'd that go, Kate? Okay, so this is just a lot of pressure, but I also need everybody to be aware that my mom still did all the work. <laughs> I'm just presenting it. So she's just humble. I'm just presenting it. But anyway... Um, hi everybody. I'm Katie. I'm Marianne's daughter. And we are going to be checking out. Well, I don't know. I feel like there are people that jump in in the middle, you know, and like, I guess so. That's true. Don't, don't go all the way to the first episode, I guess. I feel like, you know, it's nice to have a little refresher of who this random voice is, but I'm Katie. I'm Marianne's daughter. I was also a therapist at one point in time. Now I work in hospital, whatever. So I love (laughs) cognitive distortions because it was a thing that I taught a lot when I used to lead groups at a behavioral health hospital. And what I thought was so interesting about it is it's such a cool tool to be able to identify things and like patterns of thinking that we don't always identify. Like we don't always have words for whatever it is that's going on. So um, mom found this awesome resource from David Burns, who actually wrote the Feeling Good Handbook which if you haven't read that, I actually own a copy of it. I haven't opened it, but I've heard it's very good. Um, <laughs> Why do you own it and not open it? I was, really, I was really trying to build my book collection, and then I like got halfway through all the books I wanted to buy, and I realized I'm not a reader. So <laughs> I had like an identity moment in the middle of me building my therapy book collection. So anyway, there's pamphlet came out, which is about three pages, which is totally fine. I can handle that. <laughs> so we're going to talk about cognitive distortions. And I'm just inviting you to think about, because it's really easy to identify other people's distortions. You know, like I can pick out 10 things that mom has wrong and like all of her distortions, but it's really important to reflect internally people about what the distortions are that you feel like you struggle with. Oh my gosh. But as we're going through this, are you going to out me? No, I'm going to try and just out myself. But yeah. a lot of my flaws are a result of, as a result of you. So <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. I'm just kidding. Anyway, all your fault flaws. I'm just feeling feisty today. Whatever. Yeah, you are. Anyway. Yeah, anyway. You are. All right. So, give okay, it- so the first, okay. So the first one, which I think a lot of people can identify is all or nothing thinking. So in itself, that is a distortion, right? Because we can, we can all probably agree that when you think in all or nothing terms, like for instance, if I failed a math test, that means I'm bad at math, not just I had a one-off experience, right? So it's either I'm all good at every test or I'm all bad 
period. And so, you I'm know, not going to lie that actually, even though that's all or nothing thinking, I feel like that might be true. Well, I mean, yes, a lot of people are bad at math. So that is something no, to take a personal inventory computer. of. <laughs> How are you going to make it about all other people? You know, you're bad at math. What's nine times six? I'm just, I can't live without a calculator, but whatever. <laughs> anyway, so all or nothing thinking tends to be very black and white. It tends to eliminate any possibility for the in-between feelings of, you know, oh, I can feel partially about this and I feel partially about that. You know, it's either I feel passionately about one or the other. There's no both and in these situations. And so in, in itself, that distorts our thinking of poor perception of reality because we're not allowing room for that in between, um, which is the space where we find grace and we find, you know, development and like complex thinking is in that in between. And so something well, to keep in mind if you're looking at situations. Just to add to this, that all or, all or nothing thinking actually can also be trauma-based thinking. It's not always That's true. It's not always trauma-based thinking, but there is right. an element of all or nothing thinking that comes totally. with trauma. Totally. Yeah. Yep. That's so true. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, it feels safe to look at things through all or nothing thinking because really it's either all or it's nothing. And so you only have two options, right? So it's a lot less confusing. But the problem with that is that you are distorting all of these in-between options that could provide you safety and time to make decisions and things like that. I will out myself, I tend to be an all or nothing thinker. And so I tend to make decisions very rapidly and very quickly just out of fear and so it's better for me when someone tells me you're being an all or nothing thinker because it allows me the opportunity to sit back and think about that in-between area, if that makes sense. Which kind of leads into the next one that um, we experience sometimes together uh, is the overgeneralization, right? So oh, yeah. it's, the, it's the always and the never of yeah. Me. And yeah. find, and sometimes they can, these can go hand in hand, but a lot of times it's usually the thing I see it most in, in my life is either in an argument or in like the telling of a story. So like, if oh, I'm yeah. going to tell a story to you and I'd be like, oh my gosh, he always does dot, dot, dot. Right. right. Or your brother never does dot, 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 whatever it might be. So right. a lot of times in stories, I will use that as a form of expressing frustration. Like I'm exasperated with the person or the set of circumstances. I feel like it's never going to change. And so everything goes to this extreme. Right. And it becomes like, you know, this, this sense of always and ever. And man, I'm telling you that backfires every overgeneralization <laughs> well and the, here's the Every crazy thing because right. locked in on that one phrase like always or never and i'm like okay fine four times you did it right, right. <laughs> Whatever right. It is. well and that's the thing that's tricky about it too is sometimes it's subconsciously building a narrative for ourselves that feels very limiting and so even if we want to break that general organization 
it can feel so huge because we've made that statement of I never or I don't. Right. right. Like for me, for example, because I think a lot of people can relate to like, you know, oh, I'm not a good exerciser, right? Or whatever. But just another example is like I strive to be an artist. Like I hold that term in high esteem. Like I think people that are artsy and people that are creative are like they just blow my mind. And I have always said, oh, I'm not really an artist, but it was because I hadn't found my medium, right? And so I'm not a painter, that is true, but I can be an artist and use art in other ways. So yeah. it's important to, to, it's important to identify, like if you're saying, oh, I'm not good at taking care of my personal health. Well, what does that mean? Does that mean you don't like long walks on like around your neighborhood? Well, then that's fine, but you can do other things, right? So don't allow that to become an overgeneralization because it can be very limiting and it builds a narrative that's not entirely true. Which narratives rule our lives, right? Like, I mean, yeah, in a story in your mind and really quickly, um, yeah. it can take on a sense of truth if you tell it long enough to yourself. I think it's called absolutely illusionary, illusionary truth something. Um, right. So yeah. the other one that kind of is the third one of the, the mental filter, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is the idea that there could be 20 positive things that are said, but you catch that one negative and you end up kind of overthinking that one negative thing. Um, and it can really taint a whole experience. I've had this happen where actually it's not even that a negative comment gets made, but rather it's like the lack of any comments. So I could be doing something like, I'll give you an example. So the very first time I ever spoke in front of a group of people, um, a couple of my closest friends were in the room and the whole time, everybody else is like shaking their head like, yeah, this is good. You know, you could see people writing down and whatever. And then it comes to a close and people come up and they're like, oh, you're really good. Thank you for doing that. You know, I, this was my right. big takeaway, right? So we leave and everything and I go about my life. I'm chatting with my friends, that, you know, within the course of the next week, they never mention the talk. What? I know. And I literally was like, oh my God, they must have thought I sucked because they said nothing. That's kind of shocking. Knowing you're like, what? I know. I know. But the thing of it is, is like, I, I, on their side, truthfully, I think they just were like, oh yeah, she of course already knows she's good and we're here for whatever she does and we love her. Right. But in yeah. my mind, because they didn't send me like warm, fuzzy affirmation I was like oh maybe I actually sucked and they're just not going to tell me right so I filtered things through that sometimes a narrative that gets picked up in your childhood of like you're so dumb or she's just the she's just the the stupid one in the family that narrative we become to filter everything through these negative messages that we pick up in children as children. And yeah, it doesn't just or, go ahead. Even like I know people that have been labeled as like the funny one in their family. Right. And so they're like, they, per, they overgeneralize themselves as, Oh, I'm the funny one. 
And then when things aren't funny, they don't know how to like interact with their family, right? They don't know how to get through serious situations. And so they feel like they have to overcompensate, right? Which, you know, I, so I think it's just challenging because I think it's a thing that happens so regularly, but it can be really, you know, it's important to acknowledge other character traits instead of just choosing that one filter thing. Right. Right. And yeah. along and along with that is this discounting of the positive. That's another common yeah. thing that we do is we just discount the positive and kind of take out any any joy that might be in that set of circumstances and instead focus in on how unrewarding or inadequate, inadequate or how it didn't measure up to what we were expecting to do and experience. Yeah. Right? And so it's like, okay, yeah, that was good, but it was whatever. You know, like we just are going to ignore it. Then another one, so you can tackle this one, is jumping to conclusions. Right? Oh, yeah. And this is like, I feel like this is a fan favorite for our family, but yeah. it, it's like either mind reading or fortune telling is kind of the two breakdowns of those. So talk about that real quickly. So I think mind reading kind of, I think that is self-explanatory. It's this idea that like, you know, you have an interaction with someone, right? Ooh, girl. You start you're, to have a, you're cutting right, out. Without even really checking. Huh? You were cutting out. Say it again. Oh, sorry. It's this idea that like, you know, you have an interaction with someone and you leave the interaction and you start thinking, oh, I just know that they don't like me, right? Without actually ever checking with them how they feel about you. Or um, uh, another thing that happens in relationships a lot is when you get to know someone really well, you believe, oh, I can predict what their reaction is going to be. Or I, yeah. I can already tell you he's not going to do this. Or I can already tell you she's going to say no to that, right? And so we start like, limiting our interactions based off of our own interpretation of what we think is going to happen. Right. And we start to read people's minds like that. The yeah. other one that we talked about, the, the on, other one that you mentioned. Say, hold on. Let me say something about that one too, because there are a lot of quiet people out there in the world and yeah. they get, they get kind of, this happens to them a lot because they don't express what they're thinking and so people will just make assumptions. Yeah, leave it open to interpretation. Yeah, and they fill out the fill out the whole thing. I was talking to somebody the other day, and they're they're just by nature a listener. Yeah. And if and so what has happened is people have started to read her face, right? Oh. And so, and so she'll be sitting there, and she has to be so aware of what her face is doing because people interpret her facial expressions to oh, that's a bad that's a bad time to have expressive eyebrows oh my gosh how about that girl okay just on a totally side note you know oh amelia clark oh, amelia clark that is literally what i I'm knew doing. you were gonna talk about her amelia clark has the craziest eyebrows i love her but her eyebrows like are so distracting but you know what they weren't they weren't in game of thrones no, it was just in that movie that One she movie. was in. What was that? You before me or me? Me before, me before you or so. It was the guy. He was like her. She was her care. His caretaker. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. But man, yeah. her eyebrows were all over the place in that movie. How about how about her shoes in that movie? Her shoes were incredible. I read an article about them. Oh, you did? Huh. Yeah, they're like super quirky. You should check it out. Anyway, but yes, I her love eyebrows, that movie. Well, and that's so funny that you say that because a lot of people with the with the pandemic and whatever like are so used to their masks, right? And so like you know your facial expression is half hidden because of your mask, you know? And so like you could be hating on somebody and somebody wouldn't know, you know? Or you might not be hating on anybody, but they're assuming you are. Right. Because yeah. they've, they've gotten used to reading your face. Anyway. Okay. So go on to fortune telling. Okay. So I am a culprit of fortune telling. I am, I am, it's my favorite, probably cognitive distortion, even though I don't think you should have a favorite, but I tend to do this a lot. So fortune telling is this like concept. I, I'm going to disagree. The next one is your problem, but go ahead. We'll go. With okay. I got all of them people. Oh, I was funny. Cause I was talking to a friend about this at work and I was telling her about it. And she, so I was going down the list. She's like, I've got that. I've got that. I've got that too. I'm like, it's not things that you've got. It's like, <laughs> it's like everybody, it's like everybody does this. <laughs> <laughs> she's got some kind of infectious disease. Yeah, I was like, she's a hypochondriac for the cognitive distortions. But anyway, she's very distorted. If, if she's listening, she's very distorted. Anyway, so. <laughs> anyway, okay, so fortune telling is you predict that things will turn out badly before you, like, actually have evidence for that, right? So, like, you would say, oh, I'm not going to apply for that job because I know I'm not going to get it. Or I'm not going to, you know, invite that person over for dinner because I just know that they're going to say no. Oh, yeah. Right. And so, so you just, you start to predict things are going to end poorly before you even like take the shot, if that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. And I do that. I do that with, not with people necessarily, but I do do that with like, um, like life goals sometimes where I'll convince myself like, Oh, it's not going to go the way I want to. Therefore I'm just going to, you know, I don't want to face the rejection. And so I'm just going to protect myself. And I think a lot of people do it as a form of protection, you know, of like, Oh, I don't want to get my feelings hurt. Therefore I'm just not going to try. Yeah. And I think that's like, you know, kind of coincides with limiting beliefs. I think yeah. another form of fortune telling is the predicting of what another person's going to do, which, which is like that mind reading. Yeah. Yeah. It's well, I think mind reading is assigning like a thought to a person, whereas fortune telling, I think is predicting what they're going to do. So yeah, like, for instance, let's say I'm talking to you about something like, I know, here's a good one. So, so I wish you guys could see us. We should sometime just upload our video of this because half of Kim's yeah. reactions are in her face before they're in her mouth, like before she says anything. Yeah. But like, I'm going to predict that you're going to roll your eyes when I say this. All you have to do is tell the audience whether or not you rolled your eyes. Okay. Did you vacuum? I did vacuum. No <laughs> eye roll. No eye roll. Ask me the other question, though. Go ahead. Did you shampoo the carpets? I did not. Eye roll. <laughs> That's because you... Nor, nor did I dust. And I told you I dusted. I did not. I knew it! 
I literally, did I not say that last night? I go, do not lie to me. We both know you didn't dust. And I said, I'm not lying. I dusted. And I was lying. <laughs> anyway, there's shame. There's shame in my slipper. People lie when they shame. feel shame. Is that what you're saying? You felt dusting shame? Yeah, I did. <laughs> All right. So here we go right into the next one. Magnification. This is when you exaggerate the importance of your problems or your shortcomings, right? Oh yeah. That is my favorite. Yeah. This, it, this is like, I would actually say it's a genetic trait in our family to be exaggerators. Oh my gosh. Can I tell them about the Vernon? Yes, please. Thing? Okay. So I don't really know the Vernon thing. I think, I think it's a granny thing. Okay. So it's a great thing. People listen up. Okay. So when I was little, I learned very young that if there's any family drama and we're out in a place where no one knows us, somehow when we're talking about our family drama, we get five times louder and make it 10 times more exaggerated just for the shock of it. <laughs> right. And so we'll be talking, I, I have a vivid memory of when we were at Kohl's, I was like six or something. My granny and mom loved, well, granny loved Kohl's. She's mad at them now because they messed up her Kohl's cash or whatever. But anyway, so we were at Kohl's and I have this vivid memory of like something was going on with Christmas. There was like some drama about Christmas and we were out shopping and mom goes, can you believe it? right there in the cold line. <laughs> I did that? Yeah, you did. And then Grady was like, I just can't even believe that. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my whole life. Who does he think he is? And, blah, and it was like this whole thing. And it was like, they weren't actually mad. <laughs> they, were just, <laughs> they were just talking. But it was like the shock of it. So it was like this. Yeah, so we call it like telling a, telling a story like Grady does. It gets very long with a lot of details that shouldn't probably be there or, or aren't real. <laughs> <laughs> it's very loud. But anyway, so if you ever hear us doing that, that's, we've been trained well. But oh. anyway, so yeah, that magnification thing is definitely, I struggle with that. I make little mountains out of molehills a lot. Yeah. But I think it's, I think it's just a way of saying like, I think that we've talked about this before. I don't know if it was on the podcast or if it was in book club, which check it out next time. Mom has a book club. You should join book club. But anyway, we talked about this before. We're like women, I think will minimize stories. Right. And they'll make it seem like, Oh, I don't have any issues, but then sometimes we'll do this magnification thing. And I think sometimes it's just a way to like tell people that you're struggling yeah. with that, without actually asking for help. You know, just like hoping that they kick in and say, hey, let me help you. Um, and so I think some, sometimes I, I distort things in my own head for fear of feeling weak, if that makes sense. Like I magnify or, or, my issues. Or you're in, you're really in pain and you are, you're struggling to reach out to somebody and say, I'm really in pain. So you magnify the intensity of what you're saying because it doesn't seem like it's big enough yeah. if you don't make it a bigger deal. Yeah. Right. Right. Okay. Totally. So, so give me, we got seven, eight, nine, and 10. So we got to hustle sister. Okay. So emotional reasoning. I feel like this is the, this is the seventh one. Emotional reasoning is if 
you know, do you ever have a situation where you're just like, I just really don't want to, therefore I'm not going to, even though it's detrimental to your success? You're asking me if I ever have that? Right. Like, I don't know. Give me an example. Like, I really don't want to go get my oil changed, so I'm not going to go get my oil changed. Okay, so my car could die. Like, you need to go get your oil changed, right? But I, I hate sitting in the line to get my oil changed, therefore I'm just not going to do it. All right, so I use the emotion of, oh my gosh, the boredom and the, the like, does that make sense? Yeah, like, it's like, I don't, it, it's, I don't want to. Right. Right, you're going to assume, I think it's like actually defined as you assume that your negative emotions actually reflect the way things are. So I feel terrified about going on airplanes right. before it must be dangerous to fly. Like yeah, that's a better, feeling. that's a better example. Yeah. Right. Like, or yeah. I, fe I feel guilty. I must be a rotten person. Mm. Right. Yeah. So, oh, really quickly. I was talking to somebody today yesterday. So just for the audience yesterday, Katie had, um, one of the professors from Covenant Seminary speaking at her church and she called. Which is, which is crazy because mom went to Covenant. I live in Memphis and Covenant is in St. Louis. So he had come down from Covenant to speak at my church. Right. And he talked about um, the difference between true guilt and vague guilt. Yeah, it was really it good. Was good. It was good. So basically, basically what he said was that God does not do vague guilt, right? Like if, if your guilt is going to be from God, it's going to be very specific and you're going to know what the sin was and so that God can offer you the opportunity to repent specifically for that, that guilt, right? Whereas Satan does vague guilt. So he will do vague guilt with no specific thing to be guilty for and he will disguise himself as like, well, God, he'll use and it like he'll cause, use and he'll cause confusion in Christians. Then they will doubt and they will be confused and they will struggle with that season. Whereas like God doesn't want you to struggle. God's not a God of confusion. He's going to let you know you messed up. Repent. Right. Right. And, and, but Satan wants to, confuse yeah. you and actually cause you to believe that God is angry with you even. Right? Yeah. And but then, I just thought that was so freeing. I thought that was yeah. so freeing to know because I think there's so many seasons in life where people are just like, man, I just feel really guilty about what's going on. Or I feel really like I'm like, I messed up, but I can't really feel, I don't really know why I feel like that. I just feel like that. Yeah. And it's really powerful. I think to bring in this idea that that could be Satan. Like that could be, you know, your mind getting twisted yeah, to cause confusion. So I thought that that was really interesting. Which, anyway. I, which again, I, we're doing good on the lead-ins, right? The little segues, because the next one is should statements. Mm -hmm. I, mean, I feel like everybody does this, right? It's like, I should have done, and it's directed at yourself and it's usually leads to guilt and frustration. So like should statements that are directed at other people though, tend to lead to anger and frustration. So let me say that again, yeah. should statement. Like if I, if I'm talking about me, I should have done X, Y, Z. 
that's going to lead me to feel a sense of guilt or frustration. But if I'm saying Katie should have, it generally is leading to anger and frustration in me towards you. Right. Right. So yeah. I, I think when I, when I realized like, wow, okay, I, I use should to blame myself. Right. Right. And I use should because I stuck it on you and because I'm really angry of you not meeting my expectations. Right. But I think a lot of people try to use should statements to should or shouldn't statements to motivate themselves. Right. Mm -hmm. And I always say this, it's like one of my mantras. If ever, if ever somebody tried to accumulate my mantras, this would be on it. Oh, wait, you and your brother did that one time, didn't you? You made a nasty little list of all the things I say multiple times, but. Yeah. So one day when mom tells her testimony on here in the middle, I'll hop on and be like, listen, people, this is what the kind of stuff she used to say as <laughs> advice. You've gotten, it's gotten a lot better. Like she used to say stuff rather than like, maybe we should like, okay, here's an example. I love to shop. And she would say to me, uh, now she would say to me, I just really want you to think about if you're trying to appease your, uh, if you're trying to soothe your emotions by buying that item. Right. So that's what she would say. Now she used to say to me, you need that. Like you need a hole in your head. <laughs> <laughs> or Jack would come in from the playground and she'd say, "Ugh, you smell like the good earth. <laughs> I got that one from Granny, though. Or, like, you, you smell did. like a goat. <laughs> yeah, you smell like a goat was another good one. Yeah. Instead of, hey, Jack, why don't you go to take a bath before we have dinner? Right. It'd be like, you smell like... Lord Jesus. You, know, you need help. You know, he came into the kitchen the other day. He's gone now. But he came into the kitchen the other day, and we're like, oh, we're just going to miss you so much when you're gone. He went in for a hug, and I was like, oh, my gosh. Do we need so to bad. buy you deodorant? There's something different about that 20-something-year-old boy. No, it gets, bad. Bad. It, get ba it gets bad when they're young, too, though. Okay, so now yeah. we got labeling. Okay, right? so this one I feel like a lot of people do when it comes to, like, other people. I think people are really good at, like, labeling other people. So let's say, for instance, somebody does something and it hurts your feelings, right? Oh, he's such a jerk, right? Rather than taking into context all of the things that are going on in his life outside of that one interaction, right? Yeah. And so yeah. we do that also with ourselves, right? I used to do that a lot. I've gotten better, but I used to do that a lot when it comes to, for instance, self-conscious about my hair. I don't know why. It's just very fine, whatever. And I would say, I just have bad hair. Like, I just have bad hair. But what was actually happening was I'm not great at, I wasn't great at styling it, right? And I couldn't figure out how to get it to look like I wanted to. So instead of saying, I just need to practice more, I would just say, no, I'm not good at it. I have bad hair. Ah. Right? And so I would label myself as a person that has bad hair or a person that doesn't like to exercise or a person that's not artistic when there's all these other things going into it, right? Does that make sense? Yes, totally. And I think sometimes, like, we can do it almost worse than we do it with others, yeah. but we just call it self, self-deprecation. Yeah. Whereas it's more clear when it's somebody else that you're late. Yeah. 
right? Yeah. Because if I was to say it about myself, like, oh my gosh, I just have such bad hair or I just never look cute in anything or I mean, you name it, whatever it is. I'm, I'm so like, I'm so stupid. I, you know, to me, it can be, that's just self-deprecating, but in reality, it really is. I've just decided to label myself as something which then ends up cultivating these limiting beliefs this all-or-nothing thinking, because I do think that labeling can be an extreme form of all-or-nothing thinking. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, you know, this is a common thing, like, because I know they're never going to listen to the podcast, (laughs) haha. Granny likes to do this with pop. (laughs) She she likes to label. (laughs) Yeah. She does. And they're not always flattering labels. (laughs) Yeah, she's got some pretty, she's got some pretty flamboyant, uh, some pretty flamboyant labels for him, yeah. But the why behind her labeling, and it really is just a joke when she says it, you know, like, it's not like she's really trying to be hurtful. She'll just, you know, that's just her way of blowing off a situation sometimes. Oh, what are you going to do? He's just, you know, a difficult person or whatever. But I think sometimes we do labels also because we're feeling a sense of anger and frustration and we, and it, and we don't have much room to fit creatively to explain what we're saying. So it's just faster to throw a label on it than yeah. it is to explain like the details of why I perceive that person in that way. Like, Oh, he's such a jerk. It's so much easier than to tell the whole big long story. Right. Right. Which is like, even with you, with your hair, like you were like, okay, I, I just have bad hair. It's easier than saying my hair is fine. And you know, I've tried lots of different products and it just never seems to work out. Right. Right. You just throw a lot more time. Yeah. A lot more time. So we just throw a label on it because it's faster and we all kind of go, oh, well, you know what bad hair means. Right. But exactly. the problem is we don't always know what bad hair means. Right. Yeah. Or yeah. whatever. Okay, so the fo- the tenth and final one is personalization and blame. So personalization, Which I feel like honestly could be two separate ones, but for the sake of even numbers, we're gonna keep them together. Okay, so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna succinctly try to say this that like personalization occurs when you hold yourself personally responsible for an event that isn't entirely under uh, like without your control. Does that yeah. make sense? Like. I'm going to, I'm going to take on the whole lion's share of this. So an example of this would be, uh, so you guys grew up in a Christian home. Yeah. And there were a lot of principles that we wanted you guys to um, consider applying to your lives. Right. Right. But the world has this way of pulling us into choices that, you know, we don't always. Right think have an impact. Okay. So let's just use this as an example of like, let's say you underage drank, right? Right. And I found out about it, right? I would turn it into, see, I'm a bad parent because you didn't do X, Y, Z instead of me standing back and saying, wait, Katie has free will, free choice. And I raised her to be responsible and to not drink before she was 21 or, or right. whatever, but she chose that. That's not a reflection on my parenting. That's a reflection on her ability to make free choices. 
but right. personalization becomes like it's my fault right right and then and which then- i think is very i think is very interesting or i think that's very easy to do in the work setting also because i think there's a lot of times we're working on a group project and the group project goes south and we think oh like i could have done more right or i you know and that goes back to those should have also but i think that that sometimes people blame themselves for things that are out of their control in the work setting as well. Right. But then the second side of that is the person. So there's one side, which is the person who says it's my responsibility. It's all my fault. If I had done better, this wouldn't have happened. Right. But then there's the other person who can do the opposite where they blame other people for their circumstances and problems. And they overlook the ways they've contributed to the problem. We call this, I call this when you and I are talking about, it is abdicating responsibility. So the first right. one is overtaking the responsibility and the other right. one undertaking, right? So I'm abdicating my responsibility in the situation and blaming it on other people. But the problem with blame is it do- doesn't usually work very well because other people will resent you for being making them the scapegoat. Yeah, that's true. Right? And that goes into that whole boundaries issue, right? So abdicating responsibility and blaming other people causes us to start distorting our thinking. Like, well, it's not my fault. It's not my fault that that happened. When really, actually, it is partially your fault. Right. So let me just ask this because I have a question about this. Yes. So this is a funny example. Wait, are you asking me, like, is this related to you and me? Are you just asking like a broad question? No, it's related to you. And I'm going to out you. I've waited 10, I've waited 10 distortions to out you. Okay. (laughs) So mom has this funny habit of when she does not want to go to something. She will you use need to stop because people don't <laughs> listen to this. Do not say this. You are you. No, 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 because then people are gonna know. Okay, don't do it. Okay, this is another like, example. <laughs> oh my gosh, whatever. Never mind, people. It's fine. No, fine. Your father has polio. He has Okay, so that's the example, is that when mom does not feel like she wants to go to something, somehow Papa always ends up sick. <laughs> Magically. She will say, oh, Neil's not feeling well. Oh, Neil's leg is hurting. And so the running, the running joke in our immediate family, because none of her friends knew about it till now, but now you can all call her on it. No. Um, <laughs> Anyway, just, you can start using Lulu. She's old. You can just say, we got to stay home. We're not sure if she's going to die soon. Or she's like 17 years old people. But anyway, but anyway, so the running joke is that Papa's now got polio, tuberculosis, cancer. He's got, he's got like all of these things wrong with him. So that's an example of passing blame onto someone else for your own emotions. <laughs> I had to okay. get a good one. Seriously, you were killing I had me. To. I I literally am going to think long and hard about <laughs> you because that that, is, that was bold on your part. Bold. Listen, you can you can out me next time. Checkmate. Oh my gosh, that is unreal. Well, glad to hear that you are fully attuned to all of my foibles. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Anyway, I am. All right, I, I know so I think you. we covered them. Maybe we should uh, talk about how to 
um, combat these things, like strategies for changing this stuff. Yeah, that would be really good. Probably do it because I mean, every one of us can look through that list and say, I mean, I can't, I just can't even imagine that somebody would look at it and go, oh, I don't do that. I mean, we live in a world where this stuff is so commonplace that, mm-hmm. um, so even if you're not externally demonstrating these distorted ways of viewing things, they're happening. So, right. you know, and I don't even know that we necessarily think of them as problematic and maybe they're not on the grand scale of life. Right. But if, if what we understand that these lead to trickling issues like slippery slope into limiting beliefs, changing the narrative of your life, running, running um, people through this kind of thought process when you develop relationships or you're trying to interact and communicate with somebody like it can hinder yeah you communicate or how you experience relationships with people so you know it's all all funny and we give a lot of I think um humorous practical examples but it's when this is done over a period of time that it begins to shape the lens at which we see things and that's when it becomes like distorted right? And it becomes unhelpful to our success and fulfillment as an individual. So let's come back next time and talk about the ways that we can strategize ourselves, how we catch it before it goes too far. And let me tell you, if anybody takes away anything after all the different times that we talk about things, it is that we should incorporate the circling back. I like firmly believe in the ability to go back and say, Hey, my, Hey, my bad shouldn't have done it this way. This is what I thought about. And here's how I wish I had done it. And we can do that towards others, but we can do it towards ourselves where we give ourselves a little bit of a break and say, okay, I didn't do that. Great. Yeah. I'm going to work to do that better. Right. Because now I know, I know better. Right. But and that's why even I think you would agree that growing up when I did things that were, you know, unhelpful, traumatic, whatever. Towards yeah. If I was aware of it, I would circle back. Absolutely. And, Every time. Yeah. I, I, I didn't do that well, you know? And so I will confess that I have a tendency of using your father's fake illnesses. <laughs> and I will, I will do better. <laughs> I'm going to have to now because every time I get invited somewhere, people are going to know if I'm, if I'm saying, no, I can't come. Oh, it's probably because Neil's sick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Well, it'll definitely tell you who's listening to the podcast because oh. if they don't say anything about it, they didn't hear it. So Katie, we're good. You know, there are so many people that have just like randomly, and I'm just like, what the heck? <laughs> Weren't we supposed to post something on Instagram last week? I feel like we make promises a lot and we don't keep them. What are, what were we supposed to post? Well, I, guess I don't, know. don't know, which is why you're asking me. <laughs> well, I feel like we were supposed to post something on Instagram, but the only thing I can think that we talked about was mattresses. Oh so anybody want to see a picture of a mattress? Just let me know. And we'll put it up. Oh my gosh. That's, oh that's my all gosh. I can think of. Stop now. Stop now while we, before we digress into all of these ridiculous things. So all right, I love you. Go go get your day on. I'm gonna All right. let you go. I'll see you at book club, seven o'clock. Book club, book club. All right, so love you, babe. bye. All right, bye everybody. 
Thanks for tuning in to the Renewal Session Podcast. If you want to continue the conversation or share your takeaways, we want to hear from you. Head on over to our Instagram at The Renewal Session or our blog at renewalsession.com and comment on your favorite part. New episodes are dropping each Thursday and we can't wait for you to tune in next time.